When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, welcome to episode 517 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host Christian Piles, coming at you from the Hotel Motel Holiday Inn, Ithaca, New York. We're about to shoot with the one and only Kid Dynamite, Kyle Dake. Joined as always by Funky Ben Askren in Wisconsin and the Dynamic duo of Daniel Roy Lobdell Jr. and James Dean Raider, or J.D. Raider Maldonado Passage, as he's known around the Close Sports HQ. How are we doing, boys? We're doing good. Are y'all getting us kicked off Facebook or something? Is, is everything good with the shows? I haven't been really on the last two days. Ben's been flirting with the line. Yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. I only tried to add the Fed Record numbers. Times. Hey, you know what's okay. awesome, CP? When when uh when Facebook loved us with the algorithm, they gave us like a uh, hundred thousand plus viewers a show for like three months straight. That was pretty fantastic. Yeah, then you decided to talk about the Clinton body count. And, no, uh, that then- that was Bracky's fault. Bracky's fault. No, you brought it up. Because <laughs> Bracky gets something that loosely associates to that, then you're the one that gets into. You got, you guys can't like you can't get me down that train of thought because then you know we're, we're lost. All right, so we'll blame you for any any lost uh, lost viewers. Hey, well I don't know what you guys have been talking about. I haven't been able to listen because we've been we've been on it the last couple of days. Uh, we didn't get to talk yesterday about Downey and Ashnall shoots and and how they went, and then we did Taylor and Pletcher yesterday because of uh, internet problems yesterday. But man, I, I'm telling you, I think you guys are really going to uh, dig what we're going to come back with. And the heat between Downey and Taylor in these interviews is is unbelievable. Um, Pat Downey, I, I kind of confronted him on some of his trash talk and some of his allegations against David, kind of giving him an opportunity to, to back down a little bit. Uh, maybe unsurprisingly, he did not. He actually issued <laughs> an apology to to, he actually did issue an apology to Helen Maroulis, Um in that process. What, what, what I don't know what happened with Helen Maroulis and Pat Downey. I have no idea. Well, nothing specifically that was Helen related, but what what uh, Pat has been saying about the training lab and kind of his whole scale lumping oh. in of training lab athletes, which would include Helen, which would include oh, a number. Helen's of- at the training lab. She has been. I don't know how. Oh. I don't know. I don't know anything about Helen's current training situation, but I know she was. She was there. Um, he should have taken so, the time to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. <laughs> yeah, basically, but he he didn't back down on that at all. Wow. Uh, David Taylor had plenty of things to say about Pat Downey, and you know. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for for that match. I'm excited to see what Kyle Dick's up to today. Uh, let me ask you this, Christian. Um, obviously, the, the heat is 100% real. But are people going to be disappointed because 
Uh, it's going to be 10-0, or do people just want to see David Taylor party on Pat Downey? Well, I, I don't know. There's you, you uh, Some people will subscribe to the fact that David will tech him, but not everyone will. And some people really? will did tune you, in. Did you watch the Joe Rao match? Did you watch the Joe Rao match? Yeah, in the freestyle portion, he beat someone 4-0 who had beaten him in 2017. Oh, it was pretty ugly, bro. We're talking about. We're talking, we're talking about. Hold on, hold on. Are you actually? Are you legitimately using that match as a barometer for for a comparison against David Taylor? One. Damn, damn oh, straight. I am. It's only a month on. away. Okay, one. I forgot to turn my I'm light on again. <laughs> All right, hold on. Don't do no. that yet. Just just listen. No. One. They start. They did Greco. Okay, this is a freestyle yes. match. There's no forced yeah. parterre. And in parterre, you can grab legs. Okay, so yeah. basically, that may as well have been sumo. That may as well have been well. Uh, jousting. For 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 benefits of comparison, for David Taylor okay. in freestyle and Joe Round Greco, there there is no comparison. Okay, so throw that out. So we're th- I'm throwing well, out. I'm completely. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't throw it out. Okay, I throw it out. I'm gonna explain how I, I get there. Okay. okay, so Ben Askren wants to factor in Greco-Roman competition as a basis for comparison. Okay, I do not. Okay, then we go to the freestyle component where, if you remember in 2017, Joe Rao beat Pat Downey in freestyle. Do you remember that? At the World yeah. Team Trials. He beat him in yeah, freestyle. I mean, okay, and then that was the same year. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I'm going to be gone very soon. <laughs> that was the well, same no, year. I hear a rebuttal when you're done. Year, was the same year he teched him. Uh, David Taylor teched him twice, 10-0. So it's a, for me, it's, it shows the evolution in, in Pat Downey's freestyle maybe. But I, I basically wholly throw out the match, right? Because okay. someone that had beaten him in freestyle, he, had, he did better than in freestyle. Um, okay, here, here's where I'll go with it. Number one, Pat Downey was highly out of shape. Number two, Pat Downey showed little ability to do anything creative to attack in the second period. No leg attacks. Um, the one thing he did is he scored the same thing twice. And honestly, if that was one of my kids, I would yell, Joe Rao, I'm yelling at you. The man had an overhook and cross-picked the ankle. Like, Joe, you got an underhook. Just drive into him and he'll fall over. Come on, man. So, yes, I do. You don't think um, that occurred it, to Joe Rao? What? You don't think it occurred to Joe Rao that he could do that with an underhook? Or maybe there's something I think, about I think, I think Joe. I think Joe Rao was really tired and was just like, eh, I'm up 9-0. What's two points here? I think that's what he was thinking. Total gimmick match. Don't take anything from it. Um, what about his shape? What about the shape? He got he got tired, and it was six minutes, and it was not a super high-paced match. Well, I don't know. I mean, will he have to defend uh, parterre defense for minutes on end? That's not very hard. Uh, I've heard otherwise. It's not. They're, they're lying to you. How, me. how much have you... How much? How much have you? How much uh, parterre Greco defense have you worked, Ben? Well, I just remember, you know, like when I, you were on bottom and parterre for me, and I and I did not get turned a lot, but that was like okay, I get to chill for a minute here, uh, and I very very infrequently got turned. It was you know, it's about kind of minding your p's and q's, if you will. Yeah. Well, I think other people have different opinions about the difficulties of parterre defense in Greco. And well, especially we'll, we'll just we'll just say they're wrong. Listen, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Um, <laughs> That that Pat Downey was the pinnacle of cardiovascular uh, shape, but one, we're talking about July twenty eighth. Talking about July twenty eighth or June twenty eighth. I'm talking about July twenty fifth. 
Okay, okay. so I think, okay. I think we'll see a different Pat Downey. And All right. who's to say, um, you know, if he doesn't have to defend Parterre that much or whatever. Dude, maybe it's stop saying. Match. Listen, Christian saying bottom Parterre is, is hard cardiovascular is the new Thomas Gilman gasping from bottom. That was true. Okay, so that was really because Thomas Gilman and Ethan Lezak both acknowledged they he got gas from the bombs. So I am glad that you're acknowledging that this is another hey, situation. Of gas Christian, from Ethan Lezak was going to be gas no matter what position they were in. Did you ask him that question? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't. He would have been gas no, no matter what. No matter what, he would have been gas. But the whole premise of that debate was that you can't get tired um, from the top position, right? And oh, my, well, obviously, my premise very obvious. That, yeah. Christian, I love, how, so, I love how combative you are this morning. It's fantastic. You must this got, morning. You know, take, a, take as a pre-workout got fired up. I love it. Yeah, I got some inno explode. <laughs> CP never minds taking the gloves off. Especially really? on here. No, this is this is this is this is his his place. This is his safe space to go gloves off and and uh give what he believes. Ben and I we don't I actually it's it's one of the more disappointing parts of the show is how often we agree uh with Yeah, each we other. need to fight more so often. Yeah, well we we are uh, we are like-minded in many ways, so I think that that is a uh, it's good, but it's also, you know, it, it makes these moments few and far between. But I do disagree yeah. with with that, and I'm, you know, I'm, I remain excited. So there's a lot of reasons for me to think about watching the match. One, talking with Reese, he legit, and you know, Pat Downey will say he beat Sadrilaev, right? So it's like, you know, everything's kind of grain of salt with Pat. But talking with <laughs> Reese, someone I, I really like, trust and revere as a coach, he's the uh, USA Wrestling Freestyle Coach of the Year, I believe. Uh, he, he. He truly believes, right? And he thinks there's some some things Pat can do that can really challenge David. Now, he's not making any predictions, but he's far from conceding this match. Pat's far from conceding this match or taking it very seriously. I don't know for a fact, but I would imagine that a hybrid Greco freestyle match against someone that you will never have to compete with to make a world team is not going to raise to the level of training and seriousness that a match with the reigning 2018 world champion, the number one guy at the weight, is going to get out of Pat Downey. The guy in front of you that's going to stop you from making the Olympic team is David Taylor. That's going to garner a different level from Pat Downey. So there are people that are going to want to watch for the competitive aspect, and there are a lot of people that are going to want to watch for, let's get some resolution to this trash talk. Let's get some resolution. Let's watch Pat Downey get beat. Okay, there's people yeah, that want to watch. That's what, that's what I'm that happen. Okay, that's what you're in for. Also, also Ben, I I asked. I said, hey, Pat Downey, I like you. I like Ben Askren. I believe that if I got you two guys around each other and I I had some sort of a mediation session, we could get you two <laughs> on the same page. And I asked him if he was down for it. Well, first he thought I was proposing a match, and I said no. Ben is getting his hips replaced. Won't be able to won't be able to wrestle. I want some sort of a mediation, an intervention, so that you two can coexist a little better. Because I told him you were coming to Austin for the event, and he's into it. Okay, but I got too many friends. I don't. I don't need any more friends. Okay, you don't have to be friends. Listen, <laughs> you're not going to be pen pals. You don't have to get him anything for Christmas. Pen you pals. know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. All right, it would, it would be yeah. highly entertaining. And um, you know what? Uh 
I don't even know what his gripes. So I like what we would be uh, offer up our gripes with each other because I don't even really know that I, I have any. I think he's just fun to pick on. That's that's literally it. I it, it entertains me to pick on him, and that's that's the only way I do it. Maybe that's kind of bully stuff. Maybe I should stop because I'm being a bully. Yeah. Wow. Ben Askren the bully, a cyber bully at that. The lowest form of bully. <laughs> a, a cyber bully is the lowest form of bully. In my opinion, yes. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I propose that he's into it. So, um, it's gonna be good. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Cool. Know, I don't have anything else. Um, I'm really excited. It's been an awesome trip. Me, Mike, what Sean, are you going and home? David. Tomorrow morning. CP, you were with the pit crew yesterday, right? Okay, gosh. I thought you meant something NASCAR related <laughs> when you said pit crew. I did. <laughs> I did. I meant. I okay, obviously no, meant a NASCAR crew. No, I was not. I was near Mickey Philippi um, <laughs> and uh, Coach Luke Pletcher now. Yeah, they any, were all there. Any word on the – it looked like Lugo was far – from my perspective, it looked like Lugo was far bigger than Pletcher. Did they have any ideas of approximate weights for that? I didn't ask, but it was pretty apparent that Lugo was bigger. One, they wrestled at different NCAA weight classes. Two, they just, he just looked bigger. Three, I don't know what the weigh-in was at. I don't think there was one. I, okay, I was well, that one. will – there was no weigh-in? That is my well, understanding. Well, then, yeah, who cares? We're going to have a real weigh-in for this match, okay? Lou Pletcher and Anthony Ashton will have to make 67 kilograms. That's going to be a thing. So I think that that's obviously going to be helpful for Luke that Anthony National can't roll up there 160 pounds and wrestle him, right? He's got to make whatever 67 kilograms is. It's like 147, 148. Um, so that's going to be – that's going to matter. Well, it, yes. Lugo wasn't just bigger, but he clearly used that size advantage too. Oh, yeah. To push Pletcher around the mat. Yeah. Yeah. That'll happen. Lugo looked bigger. So, yeah, he I, wrestled better. I, I think, you know, Ashnall and Pletcher, I think these are two really skilled guys. And as Luke was wrestling on par with a, a lot, some of the best wrestlers in the country of any weight class, he's going to be really hard to score on. And if it, Pletcher's basic thesis is if he thinks he's going to be able to volume attack me, he's going to shoot himself out of the match because defensively from a reattack perspective, Luke is so superior. And I agree with that. Um, so Anthony's going to have to be calculated in his approach to Luke Pletcher. Yes. Agreed. CP, well, great cool. stuff from the road. Uh, can we expect anything else? I know. Uh, so looks like went up on the site yesterday Mickey Philippi clip, uh, a video titled PD3 Working with Reese on Single Leg Technique, Seriously, and uh, Ashnault Works on Single Leg Finishes. Anything else we can expect from yesterday that go up today for the people to consume? In the immediate, uh, no, I don't think much. You know, maybe I'll interview Gabe Dean today. We're going to get a bunch of stuff that's going to require some editing and post, but hopefully the long-form Downey and Taylor and Pletcher interviews go up, the ones I've been doing. Uh, so you ho should hopefully see those soon, but a lot of this stuff we're coming back home with and it's going to get edited and put together. It's going to look really, really sick. Excellent. Hey, uh, we got a question from the Facebook chat, Nomad. Okay. And uh, that says, did, uh, did Kale stop by the M2 training facility yesterday and say hi to you, Piles? And did you tell me you had a plan? <laughs> what do you think? Does he, uh, hey, does he have I feelings? 
Did you get feedback on We Are from him? No. I didn't ask. Got it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to like, you know, it was good vibes and I would think David would like it. It was basically a You would think. We are is basically a, but you would be, but on the other hand, and this is not about David, but just in general, you would be surprised what people get upset at. Something you think is an ode to your greatness. They're like, man, it was this. So uh, Hmm. just in, in general with, with the subjects we cover, um, this wasn't the time and, and, and place to, to bring that up. But I did think it was kind of like, hey, David Taylor's awesome. He changed the game for Penn State. I would like to think he yeah. probably liked it. It was all it was all cool with us while we were there. David was great and friendly and professional. And, um, yeah, appreciated our time. But as far as Kale, I don't know. Uh, but I, I think in general it was well-received at Penn State by Penn State fans. So – that's something. You guys should have had uh, the FBI bug their office so we could you know, listen to what they're saying about it the next day. That would help. That would probably help relationships if we um, committed. Well, they would know. We, we wouldn't know. We wouldn't know. Any good not putting the bugs in. Uh, yeah, no. So, no, it was good. Um, I have to get ready to go. We're rendezvousing in 13 minutes downstairs, so I'm going to do that. You guys have a good show. I will be back in Austin, Texas for next Tuesday's show. Thank you for your service, J.D. Rayner, Maldonado Passage. Thank you, boys. See ya. (laughs) See you, CP. Rude. Oh, boy. That was a little spicy start to the show, Ben. So I subscribe (laughs) to your theory that people are tuning tuning in to watch DT Tech PD3. Whether or not that happens, who cares? A lot of people care probably. But whether or not that happens, who cares? But, like, the yeah. the person who's wearing the black hat was decided the moment this match was signed. And I was having yeah. an argument with the – or not an argument, a discussion with the guy yesterday on Twitter. And he's like – and, you know, it's, it's a common thing, right? Like, oh, I just want these guys to be professional, da 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 and I said, look, I don't necessarily agree with everything that Pat says or does. I probably wouldn't have made those accusations if I was in his shoes. But these athletes have a very short window of earning money, and they need to make people care. And Pat has to make decisions as a man. He'll face the consequences as a man. If that inspires David to whoop his ass, well, that's Pat Downey's problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I agree totally. Uh, I still got to turn my light on at some point. Um, Go turn hey, your light on. My, 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 my studio upgrade is coming next Monday. I have it set up for 1 p.m. So hopefully by the time we get on the show next Tuesday, everything will be done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't get these people that say they want more professionally. Guys, you guys see the numbers. I see the numbers. People, people who talk get ratings. People who get ratings get money. There is no financial incentive to shut up and be a professional. Um, it is very, very few and far between that that is the truth. Um, and some of these people lie to themselves that they don't like drama. They love drama. They're lying to themselves for some type of, um, what do they call that, uh, virtue signaling? Yeah, that's what it is. Well, I and, and, and look, I had a great conversation with the guy. Went back and forth a few times, and then we're both agreed. Like, all right, we're, well, we're going to be watching July twenty fifth, and it'll be great. So it wasn't a bad back yeah. and forth. But you know, one of my responses to him was, "Hey, I know you say this, but what Pat did literally inspired you enough to take out your phone and you tweet back at him." Yes, and that was my second point: is that you now have a stronger opinion of him than you did previously, and are more likely to watch it not because you want Pat to win, but because you want. Pat to lose. A neutral party doesn't care. You're either pro Pat Dunn on his side or you're against yes. hard. Either way, you're tuning in. It's hey, watch. It's the Floyd Mayweather yes. style. There is no Switzerland yeah. when Pat Downey's involved. <laughs>
Yes. Ben, go turn your light on. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Appreciate mean, it. Mean, mean, mean. I, I got annoyed because, you know what? The Cleveland Clinic, I have told them seven times. I podcast every morning. These guys are trying to call me for information. It's about my hip. Eliza, I tell them, I podcast every morning. Why do you guys call me every morning? It's so annoying. I've emailed them like four times. All right, well, turn my light on. I'm glad you're getting your hip done by excellent people at the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, JD, have you been watching the stuff that's going up on the site? Anything that has stood out to you so far from what CP and Mike Malvin putting on site for this? Chimizo talking trash. I love that. <laughs> nah, bro. Hey, like Ben said, people can say they don't like the drama, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. It makes matchups more intriguing. Do you – okay, so looking at this from – Ben, do not take this where I know you want to take this. But looking at this, if, it, if, if, if wrestling is a two-party system, right, and Dake, Dake is one political party and Burroughs is one political party, will there be people that root – for Chimizo because they're anti Burroughs, or will it largely be because this will be an American audience? Will it basically be all Dake? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be. Well, I don't know why you had to compare them to political parties. I think you could have said some people like Dake and some people like Burroughs. Um, no, I, I don't think that, I don't think the dislike of Dake by most. I will say there will, will be some, but I will say the majority of people who would normally cheer for Burroughs over Dake will also cheer for Dake over Chimizo just because it's the American versus the foreigner type thing. Um, I don't think it's I like think a normal instance, though, because of how, like, Chimizo's called an international treasure. Like, he is. It's not like he, if he were Russian, it'd be a little different, but because he lives in New York, predominantly trains there, it's a little different. I feel like people still always – I mean, it is me. I feel like people lean towards the American. I mean, oh, I got yeah. an argument. Uh, 2019 or 2018 Worlds, I think it might have been about Downey or somebody else. But it's like, listen, I'm a wrestling fan. I, I will lean towards most Americans. But if I want to cheer for someone else because I say I like them, like say, yeah, there's Giant Sharati, I reserve the right to freaking cheer for whoever I please. Fair enough. So, yes, yeah, yeah, so some people may cheer for Chimizo, but I think the majority will lean American for sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so yeah. once again, July 25th, Austin, Texas, my man Tyler. Let's get that hype video queued up that we released yesterday. Every time Ooh. we put out something new, it gets it gets better and better. Not that one, Tyler, the other one. That's the oh, old one. On, we need the Tyler. new one. In fairness, guys, okay, while Tyler gets this queued up, I want to give a shout-out to our production people. They are doing this by themselves in their home, doing multiple shows a day. We're feeding them assets. Like, they're, they're just our production team is amazing, and you should be thankful for them that FRLs continue to happen. That's the one I want, Tyler. Let's get that queued up. Dake Chimizo, July 25th, Austin, Texas. Hey, so, can I get another <laughs> shout out, no man? Uh, sure. You're gonna like we'll it. See where this, we'll gonna, see where this goes. <laughs> your guy John Kozak, uh, he made the database. Did yeah, you see it? 
Yes. yes. What is it? What's it I don't have it in front of me. Is it freestyle <laughs> wrestling or what? Yeah, I don't either. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll you know we'll be uh, talking to our man Kozak. Obviously, oh. he does our international rankings. So uh, see if we can start incorporating that into some articles or into the rankings. Uh, but man, th- this is something we were having to do by hand for the last ten years. Yeah. So it's freestylewrestling.org. He has uh, the rankings for the international weights, all, all of the, I'm sorry, the Olympic weights. And then if, if you then go to the Olympic weights, you can, all the names are clickable. You click on them and then it'll show you uh, who they wrestled in the last, you know, I think it's three or four years. Um, and it's pretty awesome because, you know, man, I always felt like, and you guys had this on, on the doctor, I don't know if we'll get to it, but top five Russians that you like or something like that. I always have such a hard time keeping track of them all because number one, the bracket brackets are almost impossible to find. And then the other thing I'm going to complain about is these guys wrestle. And you can, if you go to freestylewrestling.org, you'll see it. They wrestle like three times a year maximum. So it's kind yes. of like tough to get, you know, it's not like a college season where I can follow the guy through the college season. And I know exactly what tournaments he's going to be at and where to expect them. It's like, you know, they'll probably show up at, European championships and worlds and maybe one other tournament. It's really, really, really hard to follow. Well, Ben, um, with that in mind, I mean, we had a question from, or it wasn't a question from a friend. It was just one that I got yesterday. And it was about wild cards and having an additional, basically having like one country having an extra uh, spot at worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I said what I would prefer is a system in which you have to wrestle somewhere to compete at Worlds. Like you have to wrestle at Pan Ams yeah. to qualify for Worlds. Or you have to wrestle at Euros to qualify for Worlds or a ranking series event, whatever. Well, Not I just determine your place in the bracket, but to actually be able to compete at Worlds, there has to be something happens beforehand. Yeah. So the other thing, Nomad, I, I think you could do this, and, I, and I've said this idea before, but and I think this would help on, on many different levels. I think if you had an actual – season for freestyle wrestling in the world like uww created a season or someone eventually creates a season you have say six you know you call them grand prix you can call whatever you want grand prix grand prix tournaments where you earn points plus the continentals plus the world so you essentially have eight tournaments a year right you you only just like the college wrestling you'd only have to show up for the big tens and and the the worlds right the big tens and the nationals um but say in those first six tournaments, there's a point system. And the top four – but hold on. The top four non-qualifiers for their team, right, so qualify for Worlds. So say that last year the number one guy at 79 was Dake. So if Deeringer has enough points, if he's in the top four non-qualifiers, right, he gets in. And these may all be from Russia. These may be a couple from America. It doesn't matter. Just the top four best guys who are not qualified, which qualified means there's only one per country, get into the Worlds. I have a slightly different 11-month calendar that I've been putting together for um, International that I think would kind of solve some of these problems. Um, But, yeah, I I, I think the ultimate thing is incentivizing guys to compete, and I think part of that is to go to Worlds or the, the whatever the end-of-year thing is, you have to have competed at least once, preferably two or three times, at these certain events beforehand. Yeah. 
Well, that is yeah, I mean, what they're trying to do with the ranking series, and it's a, at least I know, a step but, in the right direction. But there's a difference between and I and I understand it and incentivizing. I, I, I understand it. it's not an easy thing to get buy-in for, but there is, there's a difference between um, incentivizing where you are in the bracket and incentivizing being in the bracket. Yeah, because Sajjali doesn't really care where he's at in the bracket. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the oh, that is my number one stupid person argument that I hate. They're like. Of course, Sajjali is not going to go to ranking series. He doesn't. He doesn't give a crap where he's in the bracket. He's like that is not the point. It's that everyone else cares where he is in the bracket that he yes. won't participate in it. You are looking at it from the reverse angle. Yeah, but 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 Nomad, if if he's a random draw or or close to a random draw, or so you don't know. But he's not going to be because he's going to be world but, champion or a medalist if you and gets okay, the most if you points don't know in any other ranking series event. Sure, but if he's not, if you don't know if he's gonna be the two, three, or the four, or the one, two, three, or the four, right? right then it does de-incentivize which side you're on, right? It do, it does matter. You might rather be the two or the three than the one. You would always rather well, be, be the one or the four because of uneven bracketing. The bottom, well, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, that's a good point, right? I mean, so yeah, I mean, there's uh yeah, I I think the the UWW should find a better way to do it, and I think there's obviously. Just like the tennis pro tour or golf, there's got to be a way to financially incentivize guys who actually show up to actually wrestle in tournaments. Because when guys don't wrestle in tournaments, when they only wrestle twice a year, that is not good, right? Um, and, you know, kind of how I think about it is if the UWW uh, is the only game in town from an international perspective, there is no other organization, right? But if another organization could invent, incentivize people to show up on a more regular basis, they would then get more money. They would, uh, you know, have subscribers. They would be able to pay people more, and then that would further, right? Uh, it'd be a virtuous cycle, and that organization would then grow in power and stature. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I have, I have a, I have a plan to quote uh, Kale Sanderson um, that I would like to see implemented. We'll see, see if it happens. But Ben, we do have updates. Wait, so what, what, what don't you like about my plan? Just curious. Um. <laughs> Multiple I, people from one country per weight? No, 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 no. So that's the thing, you like right? That or so don't like that. Under the current model, where you the team you represent is your country, I yes. like that there's only one representative. Okay. So I think the model of the team you represent, the organization you represent, the program you represent, needs to be fundamentally changed. For it to be more palatable to have more than one representative. That is my personal opinion on the matter. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I I, so I, I think having – and I, so I, I know the other side of the argument is like the UWW slash the Olympic literally wants guys who are undeserving to win medals. It's really stupid. So if It's we not really stupid, form, Ben. It's not really no, stupid. No, man, don't, don't, don't get me fired. I will cut your feed right now. Don't it's, get me fired up. It is. It, it is dumb. It is as dumb as it gets to have undeserving people win medals. If you throw four other really good people in the bracket, that becomes significantly more unlikely. So there is an incentive for them not to like it, right? If you put four more good people in, more unlikely that shitty people win medals, and that's what they want. Okay. Well, we're not going to get into this because we got into this a little bit with the <clears throat> with the like national duels thing, but. All I'll say is this because we gotta get into the updates about the world championships this year. I Uh-oh, think I think where did you see update? I'm gonna give you the updates. I'm so let me make up. my Why last point and then I'm gonna tell you. 
and then we can argue about it at a later time when Don't we have when we start with more time. I think I think American wrestling fans are a little too uh, concerned with the meritocracy of medals of places two through ten. And no, not man. so no, much with. No. no, I think they are. I think they are. No one agrees with you here. No one agrees. With you. No one agrees. A, with a you lot know. of more people agree with me than you think. But I think a lot of people like if you. I, I think if you ask a lot of international people, they're more so concerned with who won. And then it's like, well, what about bronze and silver? Like, oh yeah, whatever. But who won? Who they got the most goals? Just, just because they have uh, a not so wise take on the situation doesn't make them right. I th- I think it is a very wise take. I think. I, I, it is not a wise take. It's a terrible take. Silver Listen, bronze. yeah, yeah, it's dumb. No man, people, people work their entire lives for this, and you're gonna tell them, you're gonna put them. Listen, I, I listen, I did it, and I'm, I'm not. I don't want this, this to sound like I'm saying this only because I'm bitter because I did not get a medal, and I got put on the bottom side of the bracket, which was way more difficult, and there was no seating, right? But you're telling me a guy is gonna work for his entire life, and he deserves to be put in a bracket which is unbalanced which is unseated and which purposefully makes people who are undeserving or not as good have a better chance of winning a medal. That's dumb. You will never convince me that it's not dumb. And just because other people have takes that aren't good and haven't thought deeply about it doesn't mean that's right. I think you haven't thought deeply about it from the potential impacts that it has on the positive end throughout the world To when you have a system that's represented by the IOC for multiple – uh, countries to win medals. That, but that, two, wrongs that is, two wrongs doesn't make it right. Just because the IOC is dumb doesn't mean I have to be dumb. I refuse to be dumb because the IOC is dumb. I refuse. Well, and that is why and that, that's not, why the thing that I'm ultimately talking about has has a, it completely does away with all that. But let's yeah, get I into the, let's get into the world championship updates. Okay, I want the best guys to win medals. I somewhat yes. There's there is that, but there are other things at play. We'll. Yes, there's a reason line bracketing. Okay. There's a reason line bracketing exists and not and not uh, not round robin because oh, you make you make concessions. There. You make a lot of con- you make more concessions than you think. All right, junior and U23 trials are looking good. They will be paired together. Uh, they are targeting early fall, um, specifically early September, and potentially Ohio. The dates and the cities are up in the air because of contracts. Okay. Dates and the cities are up in the air because of contracts. Got it. Makes sense, right? Um, Now, per the UWW site, U23s were originally scheduled for November 23rd and 29th in Tampere, Finland, which they've had several world championships, European championships there over the last few years. That does not look likely to change. Uh, okay. Juniors were scheduled for September 7th to 13th in Belgrade, Serbia. That will obviously be changed. Um, first of all, if, if USA Wrestling is not going to target a trials date that is the same as World Championships. Uh, and then if you look at the news release, which um, the the headline the headline was very strange. It was Bureau approves bundle. bundle of updated options to competition calendars for 2020-2021. I thought that, that was very cumbersome, but they said – the Junior World Championships are being proposed for the end of November in Belgrade or beginning of December while U23 will remain in Tempere, Finland and be competed on the same dates in November. So that is um, that is what they're looking at. They still have to decide. I believe that vote is coming up uh, end of July, beginning of August, if it will actually happen or not. 
Okay, is there any update on the Senior Worlds or no? Um, update on Senior Worlds. Could they said there was a potential they, they would have I, it? I don't. I don't think nothing it's official. So no, nothing official. But I, I either don't think it will happen, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of that has to do with people. So. They're go. They want to do a similar calendar for 2021 that they had for 2020, right? Okay. So they don't. Sure. And so if you have a World Championships in December as opposed to when they're normally in like September, that really throws off everyone's training cycle. They also probably won't get the quality of athletes that they want. They also probably don't want to interfere with people's weight plans, where you you could have guys go in 79 or. 61 and then they got to come down and so there's a lot of issues there and then there's a matter of you know they already declared that the qualifying quotas are not changing and so kind of what's the point and then i don't even know if you say would send a team if we do so there's there's a lot of obstacles or at least uh there's a lot of considerations that need to go in besides just we want wrestling to happen it would be interesting to see what guys wrestle at the non-olympic weights if there was Right, rolls yeah. this year, and say yeah, so, then in a handful of months I'm gonna drop however many kilos or bump up however many kilos in a less than half a year. Um, are you guys curious how the later dates of Junior World is gonna affect participants? Because obviously, you know, um, some of those are high school, but I would say the majority are probably college age kids, especially with being pushed back. Um, you know, do you think coaches will not want their people to participate in that? Well, that kind of ties into something that's been a prevailing theme for the last several months, which is what if we don't have college wrestling in the first semester? Then it matters a whole lot less. It does. Right. I also think, so every year you see a good number of third year UWW cadets, right? The, The Akron cadets. Yeah, wrestling up in juniors with no cadet worlds this year. I imagine Mm, we're gonna. I imagine we're looking at potentially record numbers of those guys doing it, particularly if things start to clear up a little bit. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing, though, though, man. Uh, So I guess I thought I thought I had read somewhere, and I could be totally wrong, that the the juniors thing in Ohio that it was going to be. Um, like a, you had to have a qualification, right? You couldn't just show up um, because well, that would mean that, like you said, like we could have a freaking gigantic tournament. I mean, it could be huge. And obviously with circumstances in the country, uh, do they really want a gigantic huge tournament or do they want more like, you know, 10 to 12 people per bracket? Well, and I and I think that's the, so there's no qualifying procedures that have been released yet. Um, that has mm-hmm. to go to the, so I believe the specific sports, so the Freestyle Sport Committee, the Greco-Roman Sport Committee, and then I think there's okay. probably subcommittees for each age group that, you know, and I'm okay. sure Coach Zadek and, and Steyer and Lindland are involved in that. But that's the big question, right? Because normally, in, in the normal circumstances, you would have an Open and you would have Fargo and you would have all these things that help determine who qualifies for junior trials. You don't have that this yeah. year. So... um and I forget the name of the clause or whatever, but basically, you know, the USOC has protected rights for these athletes. 
And by potentially taking them away, they could open themselves up for people contesting it. So I'm wondering if they just they just have to go. It's basically the open with just best of three at the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's uh, does that make that sense? Be, <laughs> yeah, it could be huge though. I mean, uh, you know, depending on what kind of standards they put on the qualification, I feel like you get 60, 80 people show up in some weight classes. Mm-hmm. You know what? Let's pull up the. Now that I'm, now that I'm, you got me thinking about this. Let's pull up last year's, because um, they 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 change every year, but they're pretty consistent, um, year over year. Ben, do you remember what they do? You remember what they look like when you were uh, when you were coming up? What do you mean, junior junior the trials? Yeah. Well, obviously, so, and but yeah. So then the other part of this is it's hard to have junior trials qualification if you don't actually have. Uh, a junior open, you know, so, I mean, so it's, it's kind of a double edged sword for them. For me, um, uh, what are you gonna say? We're qualifying for the trials in September of 2020 based on what people did in summer of 2019. That's kind of insane when you talk about developmentally, right. so yeah, I, I kind of see both sides of this argument, right? I'm saying, well, this is tough, and then this is also tough. So, you look at the original procedures from that were posted February 5th of this year, so these are the original yeah. procedures, uh pending trials being in may or june or whatever they were going to be this year uh and so much of it includes 2020 things any all-american from the 2019 or 2020 ncaa division one nationals well that was awarded by the nwca does that does that count as that any all-american from 2020 folk style nationals that didn't happen finalists from 2020 D2, D3, those didn't happen. Champions from 2020 NAIA. Did NAIA happen? Uh, I don't think any of them. So NAIA did happen. So that one maybe they sure? did. Thought... No, actually, I don't think it did. I don't think I it did. I feel like none of them did. No. I feel like no, there was no national did. champions declared yeah. this year. Except on the the, the women's side, um, we were able to get two of their three in. Uh, then champions from 2020 Junior College Nationals. So see what I'm saying, Ben? There's a, there's a lot of... There's a yeah. lot of things that they were planning on happening that would have made a very robust field and would have made it f- fair, so to speak, that didn't happen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I, I feel like, yeah, I, I, see, I, see, like I, said, I see both sides here. They, I don't think there's an easy answer. I think you're going to have, have issues one way or you're going to have issues the other way. Which would you prefer? Uh, let's see. Well, I'm not all that scared of coronavirus anymore. Um, so I think I would – and, uh, hey, we just voted in Wisconsin. Schools are going back this fall, a bunch of them. Um, I told you guys that to be in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I would just prefer to have the trials and hopefully, you know, me as a coach, guys, I'm, I'm not going to send guys who, who shouldn't be there. I'm not going to do it, right? So I'm, I'm going to try to keep uh, the guys that I have going to that tournament relatively limited right so like keegan has legit yeah. chance to make the team he's obviously but, one that you would encourage to go sure. and train for well but even so you know who i like oh the other guy i'm thinking of my 17 year olds so like the guys who were mm-hmm. last year uww cadets because listen it's important for their college recruiting because they got no tournaments this offseason so mm-hmm. you know guys like a clayton whiting mitchell messenbrink um, guy Matt Bianchi, right? Guys who had success at Fargo last year, um, and are, would be the last year UWW get. I will encourage them to go because if they, you know, if for them, if they, if they place 
fourth, fifth, sixth, something like that, that's going to be gigantic for the college recruiting prospects. So if there if there's a quote unquote basically open for anyone, you yeah. you're doing what I said and saying there's going to be record number of of third year cadets, particularly guys that are unsigned. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm not going to encourage someone who you know with a state qualifier didn't place. So I'm not going to encourage that type of kid to go. But you know if we had a couple of state champions that maybe you know had a decent chance at nationals or you know like some of my kids who are. First year, so they're, they're essentially 18 year old UWW juniors who had a lot of success at the state level, you know. And, and normally, I like I was I was saying they probably shouldn't go, right? And they should go to other events. But now there's no other events, so they're really good wrestlers. So hey, let's just go and see if we can get a couple of good wins or, or or whatever. Yeah, and I can tell you that from the crop of rising seniors, right? The 2021, yeah, Van Ness and Facundo. Two, I know for a fact they are locked in right now on making junior world team. That yeah, is the, that is their goal. And look, I mean yep. they're very high level, so I don't think it's entirely out of the question. But mm-hmm. their mindset is whether this happens or not, this is where I'm putting my eggs right now. Yeah, yeah, I think it's smart. What do you, where do you stand, JD? Would you want a kind of open-ish tournament or kind of narrow it down, knowing that all those things didn't happen? open I, I think it just especially at a younger age so much development happens in a one year span if it was senior level it's a little different where everyone's pretty much established mm-hmm. but I think at a junior level then you go more open okay and set best of three yeah so again, uh, June U23 trials are looking good. Early September, I believe Ohio is the target. Uh, if senior trials happen, they're looking more like early October, potentially in Iowa. So we'll see what happens there. Cool. Uh, ben, do you want to get into the recruiting profile questions or the top yeah. five Russians of the last decade? Also, I for the record, NAI too. did happen. NAI did happen. I just got, got the text. I just got, <laughs> yep, I just got that text also. Um, yeah, let's get, let's get into the recruiting thing. I think that, I mean, this is, I see most of your questions and this is, uh, kind of the, th- the things that when my athletes come to me, I say, you know, here are a lot of the things that you should be considering right now, um, that I think you should think about and have, you know, have a good idea of what you want before you even start the college recruiting process, have a good idea. Do you want to be close to your parents or do you not want to be close to your parents? Do you want to be in a cold climate or do you want to be in a warm climate? Or does that even matter to you, right? Mm-hmm. Can your parents afford this college if you don't get a scholarship, or can't they? Right? <laughs> Start thinking. I mean, it's, it, right? It's relevant things to think about. Do you want to be in a hundred thousand dollars of college debt if you don't get a scholarship, or don't you? Right? Start thinking about these things. I mean, like I know one kid that I coach. Um, you know, he took a gray shirt and did the recruiting process, and he ended up at Tennessee Chattanooga because he had a really high ACT and um, a really good GPA. He was ended up able to pay, I think it's like eleven thousand dollars a school a uh, year for school because you know he got a few grants and stuff because of his academics. It's like, damn, that that's a really good deal, you know. Versus a lot of out of state colleges are thirty five thousand dollars a year or something like that. If you're not getting a scholarship, that is a lot to take on as a young person. Mm-hmm. 
So what, what Ben's referring to is something I've been working on for a while. Uh, I've been in contact with the top 10 kids from the class of 2023 and kind of wanted to do these uh, recruiting profiles. I think the so the crop of 2023, they're going to be rising sophomores. I think that's a little too young to be releasing school lists, particularly when uh, schools cannot legally contact these kids yet, and I don't want them to kind of lose any uh, bargaining power there because I think that's yeah. just dangerous. Um, but – I wanted to get these kids out there and, and, and get these things in their mind. And then, you know, for kids not in the top 10, I'll be willing to do this for, for more kids and just for other kids in general to kind of start thinking about these things, maybe put it out there on their social, social media. And maybe, you know, we get like end up to get in the top 50, right? They tweet it out or put it on Instagram or Instagram story or whatever. But some of the questions that I would like to ask them is what is your recruiting timeline? And, I think that one is. I think that one is very good for schools to know because. As in, when would you like to commit? Yes, and that was very I, good to I, know. I don't. I don't feel like that's good, no man. Because why would you want to put unnecessarily put pressure on on yourself, right? I mean, obviously you have an ideal way it would happen, but mm-hmm. if it doesn't play out that way, it takes a couple months longer. Um, you know, I, I don't. And it's like say like buying a house and putting pressure on yourself. You have to have it done by July fifteenth. When maybe if you just you know stick it out for another month or two, you don't you're want to get a much better decision. deal. Big decision. Well, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean the, the the whole thing. These are rising sophomores, right? I mean, all of these questions are subject to change. Sure. Okay. Fair like enough. I don't, I don't, I don't think when they say this, this should lock them into it. I want their ideas, sure. their ideas right now of where they're thinking, what they're okay. thinking, and the recruiting timeline is an important one for colleges because. You know, so you have like the domino effect kids, right? Where they're the first one to to hop onto a class and, you know, they're the number five kid in their class and then they get three or four other kids to to kind of sign on after them. Um, You look at Braxton Amos, when Braxton signed, then Wisconsin had a real nice run there of – or committed rather, not signed. When Braxton Amos committed, then Wisconsin went on a real nice run. And it, it, it happens that way for a lot of schools. And so some kids want to be, at least at this time, they want to be that catalyst for the program going forward. Whereas some kids yeah. want to be, look, I'm I'm going to be like Mark Hall and I'm going to sign on signing day and I'm going to take all my visits and I'm going to do everything in the fall. So I just think that would be good for the schools to know kind of what's what's in these kids' heads. Yeah. We talk so about, so I guess – We talk a lot about like – uh, this the Braxton Amos thing got me thinking. We talk a lot about the brother effect, where you sign Bobby Stevenson, you got the end with Gable, and right. so like you get your one too. We don't talk a lot about the friend yes. effect, where a lot of these guys, especially now with you know cadet teams and junior world teams, they come up together even if they're not in the same state, get to know, develop relationships, mm-hmm. and want to go on to the college level together too. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I was thinking too, is that those guys that you picked out nomad, I mean, those are the best of the best. And so when I'm thinking of kind of maybe that next tier where they're not getting, Hey, you have a full ride everywhere, right? I mean, Mark Mark Hall is going to get a very large scholarship anywhere he goes. Whereas that next tier, you might want to, you know, do some more negotiation with yourself. Right. Well, and that's why, and that's why I, I would like this to as I'm saying, I'd like to inspire other kids to kind of think about these things and put it out on social media if they feel comfortable, um, but just kind of start having these conversations with themselves, their coaches, and their parents about all these things. Um, desired major, right? Or just what you want to do with your life. That's important, yes. 
right? And and I think that kind of ties into like a subset of that would be academics, right? Because you know I was mm-hmm. talking to to a dad about these things, and he said, well, if you had them stack rank, you could kind of get an idea of the profile of the school. And so if they go, yes, you know, my desired major is business, and you know, my I want to get a thirty-two on my ACT, and I have very high. Uh, academic aspirations. I have very high aspirations for my post wrestling career. Okay, well, your mind starts drifting towards Ivy League, Stanford, Northwestern. Yes. You know, very elite schools, and you can kind of tell that when they're young if you kind of get an idea of the desired major and and the academics. And and also on on the, uh, you know another goal of this, I would I would like the colleges to kind of not waste their time if the kid doesn't kind of fit what they want or what the, what they yeah. believe. You know. Yeah, I mean that was that was a big one for me, but actually the opposite. I mean, I had the test scores to go Ivy or you know a really a- high academic institution. I had no interest. I, I knew I, I knew I didn't want to spend that much time on school. I thought I wanted to be a wrestling coach. I guess I ended up being a wrestling coach, even if it kind of took a convoluted path. Um, and so I, I just knew that wasn't for me. So you know, I got called from Stanford or or whoever, and I just said, "Hey guys, you know, I'm not I'm not really interested in that." And so I knew for me. Yes, that was that was important, right? But the opposite. Like, I knew I didn't want to go Ivy. I knew I didn't want to spend that much time on my education because I thought I was going to be a wrestling coach, and and I am. It also changes a little bit because I think, and I guess this has kind of always been the case, but I mean, there are a lot of schools that are tremendous academically right now that have good wrestling programs and that are putting guys yeah. on the podium, and so it's a little easier to kind of be like, well, I mean, I can do both. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and again, that's that's uh, you know what every kid has to decide for themselves. I, I can tell you that was my thought process, and that was what I knew for me. But you know, I know there's kids that are opposite that they want to go to um, a high level academic institution. There's some people who say who want to do military service, right? So mm-hmm. Air Force, um, West Point, Naval Academy, those are great options. And obviously for those ones, you, and, and that's actually honestly something I'm encouraging a lot of kids. We have a kid Jack Gannos going to Air Talk Force next that. year. Like you don't have to pay anything. You don't yeah. have to pay anything. It's fantastic. It's like a scholarship for you everybody. It, for it's a awesome. Nice career too. Yes. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> not that we're gonna get into financial stuff today, but that wasn't a Kronikoff PS. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I mean, kids should not undervalue uh, getting to age twenty-two to twenty-three with zero debt. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is like that such is a why huge I thing. Rushed off Ivy League. <laughs> that <it> was <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, going to uh, a military institution and getting no debt by the time you're twenty two or twenty three—wow, that's freaking awesome. Well, if you look at and I lo- I love coaches that like think very robustly about this. If you look at Kevin Ward's social media, what does he talk about all the time? That exact know, thing. We pay you to go. Here. We pay you to go to school. No debt. Yeah. You come out with yeah. a job. Like that is a that is a good pitch. Like own the things. Yes, of course there are like there. You know there are. Depending on your line of thought, of course there are potential downsides of going to army. Just like the potential downsides of going anywhere. But as the coach, yeah. you have to take the good things, the things that appeal to people, and shove them out there. So I think it's really cool what yeah. what uh, Coach Ward and those guys are doing. I'm sure Coach Colat's probably going to do do the same thing i'm sure it's what air force does as well when they're talking to recruits um this one's pretty pretty easy target weight that's going to change but just 
as as a rising sophomore, where in your head do you project yourself going into college, particularly based on that's how a, big your brothers got or your uncles and your dad are? That's a hard one because everyone always wants to be bigger than they are. I feel like, I mean, their their kids are not uh, they're not all the time realistic about what the weight class is. Uh, so I just, you know, I don't know on that on that one. I think I think that's up that probably should be up to the college coach. Um, whereas like the t- desired major um, and the desired major and kind of understanding what your academic level is, is awesome. Right. Uh, geographic preference. So huge. Th- well, this one is hard because the Southeast is devoid of programs. Well, I mean, some, some kids don't care, right? I've had a couple of kids told me, I am so ready to get out of the cold winters. I'm done. I'm not going to be in any more cold winters, right? Okay, great. Well, you can't go to Wisconsin, Minnesota, Buffalo. Right? There's a whole bunch of – just take them off your list, right? A lot, of, a lot of kids don't care about it. They just don't care, you know? Yeah. So, I don't know. That one might be good. That one, that one might give some tips to, to your SOCON teams, right? Your UTC, Citadel, App State, kind of the, the southernmost ones. Um, it just thinks that those guys have to carry the flag for the whole the whole southeast. You know, it'd, it'd be great if we could add some some programs down there. Uh, these the the geographic area and conference preference kind of tie in together, right? Because yeah. if some kid kind of indicates southeastish, whether they say it or not, that means that they're kind of thinking ACC. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously. There's not a lot of other programs in the Southeast. I don't really like, so, I, so I'll tell you what the one, I, so I did not really like the recruiting timeline. I love the desired major slash academic target weight. I think that's a college coach thing. Um, geez, Conf, conference preference. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if I really, I mean, obviously, you know, the one would be Big Ten, but I, you know, I didn't really care about this too much going into college. It was more like, do I like the college coaches? Um, and I, you know, I think that if you look, there's many programs who can help you achieve your goals. You know, like Zahid mm-hmm. went Pac-10 and he was a national champion. Um, obviously, pick pick a program, find a conference, you're going to find a guy who had a lot of success. Look at their the school's schedule. Do they wrestle at CKLV? Do they wrestle? Yeah, that would be a good one. Midlands scuffle, you know, stuff like that. And then you maybe don't get the dual schedule of a Big Ten school, but you are exposed to the same level of competition. So that's kind of my my hope is that that question spurs those conversations. And then, because what, because what you're looking at here, and, and this is something I, that I tell parents and, and Ben, probably, I think you'd agree with me when you start mm-hmm. the, when you, when you get to high school and you kind of, you're like, okay, I'm good. I want to wrestle in college. You don't necessarily want to go. I'm a freshman. These are my, my five schools. And like that's just how it's going to be. You want to kind of think of the profile of your school and what you desire, and then the yes. program will reveal itself. I agree totally. And so that's what I was kind of hoping with that question because when you start having those conversations that you guys were having, then it kind of becomes, well, it may not matter. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, school size. Totally. This matters for a lot of kids, and maybe not for, you think so? for athletes, but – Certainly for uh, can, non for non athletes for all just can general add, students. Can I add to this uh, like this this topic for you? Yeah, of course. I, I think almost what matters more than school size is 
what kind of place you want to live. So I'll just tell you, for me, when I went to, when I went to Arizona State, at that point in my life, I said, I do not want to be in a city. I, I don't want to be, you know, I love the college town feel of Missouri, but, you know, say like Minneapolis, I'm sorry, Minnesota, it, it's in a city. Madison, it's in a city. Uh, Tempe's in a city, right? So some people really, really love that. State College, um, I guess you'd call a city, but it's really not, you know. Iowa City, kind of you'd call a city, but it's really not, you know. And so, like, I think that matters for a lot of people. Right. Big difference between Pitt and State College. Yes. Yeah. Great, great. Yes, exactly. And some people, and some kids really have a preference on that. I know um, Keegan, that was a huge one for him was, uh, you know, he he liked kind of the in-the-country feel of Columbia, Missouri. Sure. I mean, that's one that, I mean, Stillwater, right? Can I go hunting on the weekends? Yeah. That's, I said, I literally, I literally said a kid tell me that. I like this college. I said, well, wh- why do you, I didn't really understand why they liked it or what the connection was. He goes, well, there's so much great hunting. I'm like, oh, really? yeah. you know, you're really going to base your college system on that. But yeah, he, he was dead serious. It was so important to him. And, you know, I don't have, I'm not a hunter, right? But for some people, that is very important. Northern Iowa, another great example of that. Yeah, I so Northern Iowa was for me. I I'm referring back to my college process. That was too small of a town. Like I felt like that was like boonies. So for me, those are my feels, and and Missouri was kind of like the just right feel. They do have a. Is the airport one gate or two gates? One. Yeah, <laughs> but to their credit, like they own that they own that west gym was built in 1926 right they own it's blue collar baby yes like that is you and that that is what all and i think most programs do but you own the things about your school this is where we are this is a small town this is an old this is an old gym that fits about 1,200 yes. people. It's hot as hell. We got these radiators from the 20s. We crank radiators. them up on match day. Radiator? No, that's a radiator. It ain't a radiator. <laughs> it's a radiator. Yeah. So, but so no man, I, I think we're, I think we're saying the same thing. Um, yeah. And honestly, I I would put this very high up on you know I think this is something that kids should think about a lot mm. is like where you listen. You're gonna live there for five years. Like, if you don't want to be in the middle of a city, you better not go to University of Minnesota, right? It's it's in a big city. You better not go to Tempe. It's in a big city. Like, you're going to live there for five years. Do you want to live in that type of area? And on the reverse end, if you do want to live in a big city, you should look at a Minnesota. You should look at Yeah, absolutely. State. Yes, no. absolutely. I mean, like, or like a Campbell. Campbell, that one's in the middle of nowhere. That's, like, legit middle of nowhere. Right. So if that appeals to you, that's something that yes. you should be aware of. Um and this is why official visits are so important, and hopefully official visits come back at some point post-COVID. Um, this one's a little difficult because – so coaching style, because you have the head coach and their style, and then you yeah. have assistants and the way they interact with you and the, the, the way you know they coach you. But assistants, obviously a far more fluid situation where if you develop a relationship with a very good assistant, well, very good assistants oftentimes have aspirations to become head coaches. And so it gets a little tricky there with the the coaching style. Um, yeah, and, and well, so yeah. Number one, I would say don't don't rely on assistants uh, being there because they probably won't be there for all that long. I mean, there's there's a few, right? Say 
Penn State's done a great job of keeping all their systems around, but that is, that is rare for sure. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's tough about this, Nomad, is I, I feel like all coaches will lie. I don't want to say lie outright, but they'll give you a rosier picture of their style than maybe true. And so the best thing you can do is find um, find kids on their team, You know, ideally your friends, right, because your friends are the easiest to communicate with, and, and ask them, what is it really like? What is your training schedule like? Like, I'll give you one. Wisconsin does a lot of early mornings. Um, I'm not an early morning person. That would have been hard for me. That would have been really, really hard. I hate early mornings. I'll stay up to midnight and work, Nomad, but I'm not, I am not waking. Listen, so I'm getting control of my own life right now. I will stay up till midnight and work. I hate waking up before 8 a.m. I hate it, you know? And so, like, if you can have someone on the team, you're probably the same type as me, I would assume. You're probably not an early morning guy. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, I, I just don't sleep much in general. Oh, okay. Well, I, I like my sleep. I, I like staying up late. I do not like waking up early. Uh, again, I will work till midnight if I have to, but I will. I really refuse to wake up early right now in my life. And so know, know what you're getting into, right? Talk to the guys on the team and say, mm-hmm. what is the training like? And, you know, like, you know, a good one would be like Nick Suriano. For him, he was like, like super Jersey hardcore. He did. I, I mean, this is, again, this is third hand. I heard that he hated that Penn State like had lighter practices and that he wanted to go harder. We should have done that research before he got there. Yeah. So, and and that's the thing, right? That uh, again, I want this to. I, I don't want this. I mean, I want this to be an article, obviously, but I don't want this to just be an article. I want this to be conversations that yes. these kids and and other recruits are having with their parents and their coaches and making them think, you know, in a roundabout way about. All of the things that go into being a college athlete. Uh, yeah, I, so I, th- I think this is so important. But I, th- I think this is great. I think you're doing a great service for high school kids to start thinking about all these things. Thank you like I said, I, <laughs> I push this narrative to my high school kids. I think about all these things. Think, it, does, it does matter. You want to be somewhere where you're going to like living for the next five years. You want a coaching staff that you're going to be compatible with for the next five years. You want to consider these things before you go ahead and make a decision based on just a scholarship or just a, you know, you really like this logo or something, something dumb that doesn't matter. Right. Um, and then within that, like, I, I, I really appreciate that, that you do stuff like that. And I think most, most high level coaches, you know, that are associated with high school kids doing this, right. I know, Coach Dominguez, he, he he does a lot of mock interviews with his kids either for, you know, after you win a tournament, like this is how you need to be, or when you're talking to a coach or when, you know, you, you go on your official visit, like conducting yourself in a certain way and projecting the best parts of you and, and making sure that, you know, you're doing all the things that, that show yourself and that you're, you're you know, humble, grateful and all those things. Um, so I, I really I really appreciate hearing, hearing coaches talk about those things. Last one, and this is probably the hardest to navigate honestly because every kid's going to say the same thing, but goals. And really, really, not just saying I want to be – Well, yes, not just saying I want to be a four-time NCAA champ and world and Olympic champ, but like the pathway to which you want to get there, the, the level of um, – I don't know what the word is sadness or what like how you deal with not if you didn't achieve you know if there were hiccups along the way so goals is not yeah. just four-time NCAA champ world and olympic champ it's all the stuff that goes into it the, the milestone setting as well 
Yeah, I'm going to push back. I don't really like this goals one because I, I feel as though not everywhere. I'm not, I'm not going to say everywhere, but I'm going to say a lot of places. If you do the work, you're going to be able to achieve. And we, we could, I mean, I'm sure you could do an article on how many different colleges have had a national champion in the last 20 years. I'm, I'm sure the number is very high. And when I was getting recruited to the University of Missouri, where they said they've never had an NCAA champion. Coach Smith there was not an NCAA champion. Coach Horton was not an NCAA champion. You cannot win an NCAA title there. I mean, guys, I had so many college coaches tell me, you cannot win an NCAA title. These, this is, and this is not jabronis on Twitter. This is college coaches who are uh, you know, supposed to be good at understanding uh, what it takes to achieve high-level success. And they told me, point blank, you cannot. And I got a good feeling about Missouri, and I had a good feeling about myself. And I knew if I was in the right situation, I was going to win a national title. So, you know, I, I don't like this. I can only win at Oklahoma State or I can only win at Iowa. Or I can only win at Penn State. I can only win. Right? That, that's a dumb thought process. So I don't really necessarily like that one. And I think that I'm not going to say everywhere because there obviously are places who are not having a lot of success. And I tell I, I have had kids look at those programs specifically because those programs offered a large amount of scholarship. And I said, hey, look at their track record of development. What what are they doing there, right? Are you going to be able to really achieve your goals there? So I'm not saying you can achieve everywhere, but I think there's a the swath of places you can achieve is probably larger than some people give it credit for. Yeah. And, you know, your experience is not unique, right? And I've talked about this before. Anthony Ashenault on Space Podcast had – very high-level coaches. I think we know the type of schools that are yep. recruiting Anthony say you can't win a national title at Rutgers. That's stupid. Yep. Don't go there. Sean Gray just on the Bader show yesterday, you know, when when he was being recruited out of Blair to Virginia Tech to, to Blacksburg, they had had not only not a national champ, they'd only had two All-Americans in the entire history of the school. Really? And, that yeah. bad? Well, this was, wow, this was late that. 90s, right? Early 2000s. Yeah. I guess I didn't, I didn't realize historically Virginia Tech was that bad. Yeah, and so Sean Gray's – and obviously, you know, he, did, he didn't win, but that, but that mindset is what pushed yes. him to Virginia Tech. Go, I'm, I'm the one that's going to put this school on the map. I'm going to be the, the, the national champ, right? Some I'm going to be the – fired up about that. Yeah. I mean, Alirez, right? That, that's, that's Andrew Alirez to a T. He's like, I want to put Greeley on my back. I want to put North Colorado on the map. I want to be the national champ. Yes. And I think yep. it's I think it's good. So yeah, I hear you, Ben. It's 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 a hard one to to kind of suss out. But the going beyond just saying four time NCAA champ and all the things that that go into that and how you deal with it, I think the the goal thing is hard. So I know what you're saying about like this is kind of yeah. We know what they're going to say. Don't don't limit yourself. Yeah, don't limit yourself there. Um, and the other thing, I, you know, I think kids can be more realistic with and the kids should not be closed-minded because they, they are in fact kids and um there's a lot of coaches who are really intelligent but they should also try to be as forthcoming as possible with coaches about what their expectations are um and again do kids like if some of my kids have unrealistic expectations i will try to tell them hey man that's a, that's an unrealistic expectation but um you know, kids oftentimes know themselves and they should express those things. And then the college coach should be open to saying, hey, man, you know, we're just not going to work here. Right. I mean, you know, you know, great one. I'll just point out a great one that I love is NC State. They are like super hardcore, no drinking, no drug use. 
And, you know, when, when Pat got there, he kicked a whole bunch of guys off the team because of the expectation. And, and it is my understanding that they are super open with that expectation of kids when kids are recruited. And I love that because it's not like they don't talk about it. <laughs> they show up kids and this kid's ready to party. I'm going to party. And they're like, wait, bro, there's no drinking here. You're off the team. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not one of those things. So the coaching staff lets the kid know what the expectation is. And I have, I have heard a few kids said, hey, listen, that's not what I want out of my college experience. I'm going somewhere else. And again, listen, I, I am really happy that that kid knew what he wanted out of life and didn't lie to himself and said, hey, I can be, I can not drink for five years. Right. And again, this is coming from a guy, I don't drink. I've never drank. Right. But I want, I want a kid who knows what his reality is. And listen, um, I am not trying to encourage you kids who are listening to this podcast to drink. I, I am not doing that. <laughs> But I do not drink. I think it is, hold, on, hold on. I think it is a good life decision to not drink. I have not drank to this point. I am 35 years old. No, man, I would guess, and I think I'm not very far off of this, the majority of the NCAA champs over the last 20 years have drank in college versus not drank. Am I, am I wrong on that? I would find it extremely hard to believe yes. that. Completely abstinent of alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, which is not to say you know, that what NC State is doing is bad or wrong. Yeah, because it, clearly no, guys great. are having I, success, I or they've had national champs there. And look at the progress yes. NC State as a whole has made. They were not good before Pat Pop. Yeah. There. Yes. No. I'm. I'm saying I love. I love that they're. We're talking specifically about the recruiting process, and I yeah, yeah. love that they're upfront about it. And I love that there's also kids who are also realistic about. Listen, that that's not for me. I can't do that. Like that, like this is what I'm saying. Kids need to be realistic about what they're getting into, and coaches need to be realistic about telling the kids what they're getting into. That yes. needs to happen before they go to college, not when they get to college. They don't want a shock and go, "Oh my gosh, this is what I." I mean, like you know, another great example would be a military academy. Listen, when you sign up for a military academy, you pretty much know what you're getting into. If if you like sign up for a military academy, you don't know that there's going to be a huge amount of discipline, and you'll be running early mornings, and your classes are going to be really hard. Like you're not going to get to a military academy and go, you're oh my gosh! They, they, <laughs> yes, they, they wanted me to be disciplined. Uh, my cousin would say like, otherwise. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, my cousin went to West Point and he parties hardy. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. But he probably still woke up at six a.m. and did the calisthenics and whatnot. To quote Kyle Bracky, if you're going to be a man uh, at night, you got to be a man in the morning. <laughs> That's what they say in West Virginia. <laughs> hey, man, it's true. Look, I have no problem. If you want to go out and party, I mean, it's like the Michael Jordan thing, right? If you can go out and party till 2 in the morning, fine. But if you got 6 a.m. practice, you better show up for 6 a.m. practice and bust your ass. Yes. And then it's up to you to decide if going out till 2 every night is detracting from your performance uh, in practice and in competitions. So, Which there's a good chance it is. Yeah. But sometimes you, you got sometimes you got to you gotta do it. Man, I, I feel really sometimes bad. you got to do it. Yeah, sometimes you need a release. Sometimes you need a release. Uh, I can't. I can't relate. No, no, man. I've never drank. I can't relate to you right now. Yeah, tell that to two-time Hodge Trophy winner Ben Askren. Yeah. Hey, before we get to questions, some friends. We're not gonna do top five Russians the last decade, but JD worked very hard on top he, top five Russians on Instagram. And so Tyler, I think we got to get this queued up. Uh, JD, did you send him all of yep. the pictures? All right, yeah, I got a couple of pics. Up so there. we're we're gonna go bottom up here. Well, this is number four, but that's fine. Gadji Murad Rashidov, 
top five Russians yeah, on so Instagram. Ben, Go ahead, JD. I know you're not a big uh, Instagram guy. You're more of a Twitter guy. But I think uh, yes. if you get behind the uh, the Russians of Instagram, I think that'll uh, but change is your this a, is, this a, is this a handle? Well, you can follow like Wrestling Russia or Wrestling underscore Team One too, and they like repost I'm a lot not, of these. Just, a lot of these guys on their personal pages put out phenomenal content. Here, uh, Rashidov. <laughs> Uh, with some snowmobile content, I got him at number four power ranking. Uh, Russian wrestling. Is this power? Is this, pow, is this power ranking by their Instagram? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, someone, asked us, someone oh. asked us to rank the top five Russians of the last decade, and we talked about that too. But I get much more enjoyment out of just uh, thinking and watching their Instagrams. Rashidov mostly just does like portrait mode uh, selfies and flexes his world belt and mm-hmm. medals, but he's good for the occasional horse content or snowmobile content. Let's see, let's see, if, content. We, let's see if we can get a couple other ones up there as well. Um, yes, a lot of horse content on. Uh, we, we might we might Russia have to just skip Instagram. to number one. Uh, number yeah, go one. ahead. Go, well, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Throw this up. So we got a little pork chop uh, action. Gazi, uh, is it pork? Well, I don't know. Ben, do yeah. you think this is – oh, here we go. Here and we go. This is number one, Karugliev right here. Ron Karugliev, 86-kilo oh guy with his Falcon. His <laughs> whole Instagram is phenomenal. Uh, a lot of horse <laughs> content as well. Uh, a lot of horse rifle. content. Okay. We're, <laughs> so let's do – you know, we just did the recruiting one for high school kids. Let's do for JD, the Russian Instagram. Where does horse content land? On the amount of importance. Number one. Oh, number one. <laughs> it's way up there. They love their horses. They love so, their ponies. So Karugliev, you, you, a peek through Karugliev's Instagram, you have you have the falcon, you have a baby snow leopard, you have him yeah, on a him horse. Play, him playing with the leopard. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have him on a horse with a sword like this. And one of their cool, I don't even know what to call them, and the hats that... Yeah, and then he has one with just an assault rifle where he is practicing very bad trigger safety. With the cool mountain backdrop, though. Yeah, in Mahachkala. Yes. So maybe we'll get to the actual top five Russians of the last decade, but top five Russians on Instagram, uh, please send us yours. Ben, let's close out questions from friends. Sound good? Uh, Yeah, I'm kind of dumbfounded by this. Uh, I I tried searching some Russian Instagram accounts. I couldn't really find any, but uh, you know what? Follow of Kirby... Because he just posts a bunch with friends, too, so then you can, like, venture off and tag. His is Kurbanaliev65, even though he is no longer 65 kilos. Much 70. Sedgelai's horse's legs look so skinny like they're going to break or something. Well, Sadie Cakes loves horse content. He might be number one horse content. Normally, horses aren't built to carry 215-pound humans. (laughs) Oh, All right. that's funny. Let's get to questions from friends. Um, da, 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 da. I watched a – here's Nick Kroninger. I watched a DT ankle pick vid where he talked about a commonly taught setup where he felt didn't work. What commonly held beliefs about setups and hand fighting are wrong and outdated. How should young wrestlers think about hand fighting, which isn't the most comfortable thing to do? Coach Askren. Wait. Uh, okay. Sorry. I was uh, – I got distracted by the horse content. Okay. Uh, <laughs> See, it's good. Yeah, How should so young wrestlers think about say- hand fighting? I, well, I feel like I should watch this uh, David Taylor video to get a full understanding of what he said, because I'm sure what he said is, is great. Um, but I, I do a lot of – so obviously, you know, here's what I say, guys. Like, 
Okay, what's, what are Jordan Burroughs and, and David Taylor using? They're using snaps, they're using pulls, they're using fakes, they're using elbow offs. Listen, do you guys know all those moves? And even at age 12, they'll say, yeah, I know all those moves. And so I think what it comes down to is, is it a matter of timing. And so I think the only way you can get timing is by actually doing it. So we do um, a handful of uh, hard in, easy out, or live to a lock type stuff where – you know, we're only doing the first part of that, that segment. So they're getting a whole bunch of time spent on hand fighting and getting their legs. And then obviously on the other side, basic, simple defense, no scrambling, right? Just moving your feet, getting out of the way. Yeah, and I think also just getting kids in the mentality of staying in the pocket, right, and being comfortable and willing to fight as you are pulling out the, the technique of it, right? The moving your legs and hands in concert having thoughtfulness to not just I want to move them, but where I want to move them to set myself yeah. up. And staying in the pocket, yeah. but not planting your feet and just <laughs> banging, yeah. you know, in there. Cause you can't just plant your feet like tree trunks and think you're just going to snap somebody, you know, you yes. got to move them while you move. I mean, even if you snap them, you need to move your feet. Cause otherwise they're just going to grab snap your legs. Right? Your legs. Right. So, um, you know, I would say, but I kind of my thought process on life and wrestling is that, if you want to be good enough, you're going to figure it out. So like when you put kids in a situation where, um, you know, they're winning or losing based on live to a lock or right. Getting, getting to the legs in or just defending the legs and no scrambling or other defenses allowed. Um, they will pick stuff up. And I, I think a lot of these things, again, it's such a timing issue. A lot of it happens semi subconsciously, meaning you're not actually thinking about what's happening. You're just doing it because it's kind of instinctive. And, you know, you can think about it in practice a little bit like, oh, well, you know, when I'm snapping, I'm not moving my foot or, or something like that. But it has to happen kind of in a faster speed. And I know Turville, um, I've heard him talk about it a couple of times where he had a, almost a system down to where steps, okay, I'm going to do this. If this guy does this, I do this. If he does this, I do this. Once he does this, I do this. And it was like reactionary, but he had drilled and practiced that so many times mm -hmm. to where it was a reaction. He didn't have to think, okay, yes. if I call her tie and this guy grabs my elbow, then you pause and think I do this. It was just, it was like one fluid motion almost to where, and then as soon as he felt that opening, he was able to attack off his, you know, third tie transition or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes. Love it. Uh, another question from Nick Kroeninger. In my mind, the best conditioning exercise is live wrestling. If you need to switch it up because the kids aren't working hard, what exercise best emulates wrestling activity? Burpees and sprints maybe? Exercises that build explosive movement. And I, I would agree with him about wrestling's best best conditioner. And we, you know, we only have 90 minutes with the kids. We do a lot of wrestling. Wrestle, wrestle, wrestle. Oh, I can't believe you don't. Like this coming from the or... guy who openly said, <laughs> "Coach, don't make me run. I will wrestle all all. Pre I'll wrestle for three hours. Don't make me run ever." They still made me run, though. Damn it, Coach Smith. <laughs> I think uh, I think the thought process on running is changing a lot. I've heard a lot of coaches yes, say they're cutting down absolutely. running, and they're doing a lot more. They're doing a lot more biking. And I'm um, doing a lot more uh, backwards explosive stuff. What there's a there was a trainer. And I want to say it was Iowa State. He said, "Do you know what what?" And this is a little different, but what position in football has the fewest ACL injuries or knee injuries? So, I don't know. I don't know. He said defensive backs because they're backpedaling so much more. 
Really? So the pressure on their knee. Yeah. So you said the pressure wow. on their knees is way less. Because they're because they're moving backwards. Mm-hmm. Wow, fascinating. No, I, I did not know. Can I get into a dumb theory? Just we're just gonna go off the rails. You have a lot of dumb theories, friends. man. Well, this one it may be smart. It may it may not be dumb, right? And this kind of will go into my talent thing. But I'd really be curious if there's any studies on this um, by because you you I just thought about it because you kind of like sports science, right? Because they're running backwards, there's less pressure than they know ACL surgeries. I would really, which I want to just how to get strong at stuff. And, you know, I have an exceptionally strong cradle and gut lock and friend lock. People always ask me why. And we were doing one of them last night and kids asked me why. It's like, listen, the only explanation I can come up with is that every time I get into practice, I try to squeeze people as hard as I can squeeze them. And that's literally the only explanation I can come up with. Because we're talking about weight, weight training, you know, pull-ups or whatever. I'm not necessarily stronger than anybody. I may even be weaker. Uh, but when you talk to when you talk about for headlocks or guts or cradles, people will literally say like, "I've never had someone squeeze me like that ever in my life." Um, and I would be curious if there was any type of correlation to uh, like kids exercising from an early age, and not not even like necessarily like doing pushups and pull-ups, but like outside, like climbing the monkey bars, picking up rocks. And my dad was in college, so I like <laughs> yeah. I you know I was like grabbing hammers and trying to hit stuff. I was like. <laughs> I was very physical as a young kid, and I, and I always wondered if that contributed to uh, later strength at all versus a kid who, like, sat on the couch and was a couch potato for five years. Well, I'm sure being active is far better for you. Yeah, that doesn't sound like Siri. That, sound, that sounds pretty interesting. No, no, hey. but, like, no, but so what I'm saying is does that allow you to have greater gains later? Like, does it put your ceiling at a higher place? You see what I'm saying? Like, oh, do yeah, you have yeah. a greater capability because of what you were early, like, does being inactive early limit your your ability to expand later? Ben, I have a very interesting documentary for you about oh, nature versus nurture. It's called Three yeah. Identical Strangers. Oh, yes. I have you that watched that? Yes, I have. It's also kind of effed up, and you will get mad. So <laughs> you'll get very mad. What is, what, give me the premise real quick. Uh, a set of triplets that were separated at birth – find each other when they are freshmen or sophomores in college. Oh, fascinating. Nice. And it so, ends up becoming this whole other thing. Okay. You can't give away too much because, but. Okay. I'll, I'll try to check it out. I know that there's been a lot of studies on twins separated at birth that I've read, which are very fascinating. Yeah. Well, they get into that a lot. Uh, it's on. Okay. You know Hulu. It's, yeah. It's on Hulu. So. Okay. I'll check it out. There you go. Uh, four minutes left here. Let's see. What do we got? JD, do you have any of these that are particularly interesting to you? Um, so many. Hey, uh, I think this ben. one's good. Actual cannibal. If Marinelli doesn't win his NC, it would be the best never to do it, or at least most surprising. If not, then who? I think this is an interesting question because I think he would be the best in-season wrestler because he, he still to this day has not lost a match within the regular season, right? He's only lost any of the Big Tens or NCAAs. Um but that being said, when he's took seventh and fifth, like I don't feel like you can count him in that Sam Hazenwinkle three 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 two. Jerry Abbas, oh, yeah. three time runner up. Mike McMullen, right? Who's three two three two? You know, so guy. There's there's a bunch of guys who've been either top four every year, top three every year. There's been a bunch of guys like that, and so I just can't put him in that category. I will say, obviously, his regular season wrestling, he's undefeated. I don't know how many people can claim that, but I'm assuming. The number's really small. Somebody brought this this possibility up to me yesterday. 
because we're doing who's number one on the show here in a few hours, and we're going to talk about where Sebastian Rivera should be ranked at 141 pounds. Mm. And there's no evidence that there's or there is evidence that I think Yanni's going to go up to 149 pounds. But for the sake of this argument, pretend that Yanni is staying down at 141. Yeah. If Seabass were to beat Yanni during the regular season, but not win NCAA's, he beat Spencer Lee. He'd have wins. Yeah, Spencer Lee, Seth Gross, and Yanni, but zero NCAA titles. That's interesting. He wouldn't be undefeated. If Marinelli goes undefeated next regular season and then doesn't win an NCAA title, how many guys can say they went four years undefeated regular season yeah. wrestling a full schedule and didn't win an yeah. NCAA title? Gotta Especially be in the Big really, Ten. Really, really small. And, and oh, didn't yeah. win an NCAA Hold on, title. guys. Brackies brought be... up a really good point. He, he lost what? to Chenzo in the duel last year. Oh, yeah. Oh. Well, Duh. damn it, Ben. I, I, well, that's my fault. <laughs> I, I flipped their losses. I flipped Big Ten's and uh, yeah, I did. I did too. Because I rem- my fault. Yeah. Chenzo never won a Big Ten title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm our four time one seed. Also interesting. Obviously, he won titles, but I just I don't know how many guys have been four time one seeds. But uh, uh, yeah, Sebastian Sebastian's interesting because as good as he is, he is DNP fifth. No, and then obviously this year, what do you take? Six third. Did not wrestle because COVID. He was sixth. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm wrong. I'm wrong multiple times on the same show. Yeah, you suck, Ben. I suck. Uh, Henry Shapiro at Henry Shap. What's up with wrestlers emulating their coach's mannerisms? Chimizo's pinky counting, Taylor's pace of speaking, J.O.'s okay accent, Spencer's branch there. This has thousands of examples. Yeah, I think it's just time, time spent. Yeah. You're what did they say? You're whatever of the the uh, you're the five people you spend the most time with. Yes. You surround yeah, yourself with the most that. is who you are or whatever. John Smith's accent is probably Eric Guerrero's from California <laughs> and he speaks <laughs> he has Seriously. as much of an Oklahoma accent as anybody. Coleman, yeah. And then Tyler man, Graff kinda speaks with a Wisconsin accent now. The cadence of brands and Schwab. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Almost identical. Virtually identical. Fascinating to me. All right, boys. Well, let's call it a week uh, again. All right. Shout out to Tyler, producer, for allowing us to uh, bring these great shows to the people doing it from home and incorporating some assets this week. Shout out to J.D. Raider, who's going back to the 515. That's right. Shout out to Ben Askren. Wash your hands and take RX uh, CBD. Yes. Shout out to Ben Askren for screwing everything up on this podcast, but we still love him. (laughs) He has required homework, three identical strangers for next week. And, yeah. Keep it locked. Who's number one on the show coming uh, later today? And then more Dake Chimizo content. Again, they are in Ithaca, so we should be expecting some Kyle Dake content soon. Uh, Kyle Dake versus Frank Chimizo, live in Austin, Texas, July 25th, and we'll see you next week.